0: The biggest thing the fire movement gets wrong.
1: It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Yeah, Brian, I am really, really excited about this because this is a, uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, We were worried that this could be Uh, boring show topic. And we really started kind of going through our ideas for what it could be. And then when we dove into it, we said, no, no, this isn't boring. This is actually exciting. And this is stuff that the Money Guy family needs to know. I think the FIRE movement in general, and by the way, if you're brand new and you're like, FIRE
0: movement, I've been a Money Guy fan, but I I saw this thing. I didn't know what this whole FIRE title meant. It's financially independent and retire early. These are people that are leaving the workforce Before early retirement, you know, which is mid sixties, yeah. Before the normal retirement age, yeah. So, because most people count on a thirty-year retirement, but this is a new phenomenon, a new movement where people are talking about leaving the workforce in their forties, their Mm fifties, and it's um some even in their thirties. And we'll talk about that. And I always here's the thing: when I hear people talk about the fire movement, my first thought, bless their heart, on the fact that they. Focus on the fruit of where they're going. And because, and uh, Bo, I, I put a few words on here. Can you read these words out loud to me?
1: Okay, so there are a few. Do you want me to say what, what they just, kind of no, are? Okay. Don't, don't say what
0: they mean. Right, just read it to
1: me. Uh, fat fire. Okay. Lean fire. Okay. Barista fire. And then Coast Fire.
0: So when I hear this list, I feel like I'm standing in line at Starbucks and somebody is doing, the, you know, hold the latte, no foam, more foam. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? what, what are, are we here at a coffee shop or are we doing something? <laughs> because you guys, and this is why I say bless your heart, is the fact that I know what you want. You want to make sure you have an army of dollar bills that covers you so that you don't have to work as much with your hands, right. your backs, your brains. And you can go in a different direction. And and the thing is, this is really the Rocky Four plot on how you train. Is because a right, lot that's of you the guys, one,
1: that's the one with Drago and Rocky.
0: Well, right? because the thing I think about this things is that you guys are focusing on the fruit, the motivation, and where you want to be. But you need the old. You've come to the old trainer that, you know, is crotchety, he's on the front porch yelling at kids, and he's going to be the one, it is me, and I am going to be your bridge, and we're going to talk about all the things that when I go read blogs about fire, they they hint around these things, or they go so deep that after you read it, you go, what did they just say? Or, or, you know, because it was just all these things, there's a lot of fear, and I get it, you're measuring twice, cutting once, make sure you get it right. I am that old guy, I'm going to help you, we know how to help people retire. That's That's why. So even if you're not part of the fire moon, if you're maybe just a normal person quickly approaching retirement, this show is going to be the show that you're going to go, I'm putting that in the greatest hits because they talk about some things that definitely impact anybody who's making that transition from saver, accumulator, and builder. And now you need to know, do I have enough? And how do I go from saver to spender We are going to be that bridge for you on today's show.
1: The thing that we care about is educating you guys so that you will have abundance in your life. And one of the ways that you make sure you have abundance is you understand some of the concepts that we're going to kind of go through today. And so we're going to walk through uh, how FIRE participants can avoid running out of money, the number one factor that can destroy your FIRE goals. Uh, how to actually structure your accounts if you're thinking about FIRE, or even just how to structure me if you're thinking about retirement in general. And then we're going to even talk about some of the downsides to possibly exiting the workforce early if you're part of the FIRE movement.
0: And by the way, don't, don't take my grumpy old man yelling at you from the front porch as I'm grumpy or against the FIRE movement in general. matter of fact, this show is inspired by one of our friends of the show, Jason. We yep. won't give any more yep. details on Jason, but he is so tickled that we're doing this show. So let's kind of, without much more ado, let's talk about Number one, how fire participants can avoid running out of money. Yep. So but I felt like this one needed a disclaimer. Okay. If we were laying a disclaimer for because guess what we're about to do? We're about to give benchmarks, rules of thumbs, mm-hmm. things that you could should consider when you're trying to figure out how you should create a plan for building. But what's what's the reality of what really goes on as a financial planner.
1: Yeah, so before you ever make a big decision, and I got to say, leaving the workforce is maybe one of the biggest financial decisions you'll make in your entire life. You have to make sure that you don't just measure once, measure twice, measure three Mm. times before you cut. There are a number of things you need to look at to make sure before you take that lead. Before you let that water get so down hill, over that
0: resignation before letter, before you
1: turn in that resignation letter, you fully understand what you're getting into.
0: So, I mean, we talk about, because there's several things. All retirements are going to have a few things. You need, to, you need to go through these inventory lists of, you need to know, what are you spending? What's mm-hmm. the actual household living expenses? Yep. You need to know what's some income sources that will come on. Maybe they don't come on initially, but it doesn't, it wouldn't, you know, most of us have access to social security, And most of us, some of us who are a little bit older, Might have access to a pension of some sort. Those things will definitely have an impact. And then, Bo, what what do we consider foundational to building financial independence? If you're
1: someone who wants to be on that journey of financial independence building, you have to, have to, have to be tracking your net worth annually, doing an annual net worth statement. We think it is the cornerstone of sound financial management. So you've got to be doing that. got to be making sure you understand where you are now so that you can really have a picture for where you're moving to. And
0: then the last thing in the disclaimer is that we're about to give you these guidelines Realize this is an entertainment slash educational show. We think before anybody makes a big decision, go get a full analysis. Right. Get with Monte Carlo simulation, so you that's specifically custom designed for your life situation. Yep. So with that, let's jump into. Here's the biggest thing that I, I think fire people need some guidance mm-hmm. on, and I think we are the perfect tour guides for this. But we are going to be the ones to help you navigate how to make it through this treacherous trail. Is the safe withdrawal rate.
1: So is immediately when you say that, I think about, okay, if we're going to have a term that maybe people aren't familiar with, let's define that. So what is a withdrawal rate? withdrawal rate is simply the percentage of your nest egg that you take every year to live off of. It's kind of, you can think of it as your salary in retirement. It's what you're pulling off your portfolio to pay for your living expenses.
0: And I always like, I like people to think about this is that if you do it right, I think a lot, you know, because we talk about army of dollar bills. We want your, you to save and accumulate do that through that concept of deferred gratification that you build up your assets enough that they can generate income. And if you do this right, there's a good chance you're living off of the money your portfolio is yep. creating and it perpetually it could grow forever. It, I mean, it's the whole really idea good.
1: of living off the interest. Your withdrawal rate is essentially that interest that you're pulling off the portfolio.
0: So that leads to whenever you research a withdrawal rate, it's probably as soon as Google pulls it up, it's probably even gonna reference this number. The golden gold rule standard for withdrawal rate is typically around four percent. Yep but walk them through what is that based off of there has to be something they did somebody just didn't say you know what i think 4% is the perfect you know percentage to base your income off of what you've accumulated yeah
1: a lot of people think that it's like some really complex complicated mathematics it's really not the average retirement is thought to be somewhere around 25 to 30 years yep. so if you think about a 100% portfolio if you were to just pull off 4% every year, essentially you had your money in a coffee can, you pull out 4% every year, you could do that for 25 years. Yep. So the 4% withdrawal rate really equates to a very traditional 25 to 30 year retirement.
0: Yeah, and that's what it was designed for a 30-year retirement. That is right. all the research shows it. There was all kind of things that went into that decision, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it shows if you go back and look at historical performance of markets, diversification. is your friend. The problem is, is now we have fire movement. That's right. They're not looking at a 30-year retirement. Mm -hmm. We have people looking at 40-year retirements, 50-year retirements. That obviously can cause tremendous stress because let's use the same logic you just did. You said, okay, a 4% withdrawal rate, if you take it by, you have 100% of your assets, Mm -hmm. What you're pulling out, if you're pulling out 4% a year, that means you have 25 years that That's you right. can repeat this exercise. So if you have somebody who's, say, you go to a, you know, you're only going to do a 20-year retirement because you're older. You waited until you were, you know, mid-60s, I mean, late maybe mid-70s to right, retire. Yeah. You might only have to plan for, for 20 years. That's right. So if it's 20 years, you could probably do the math on 100. You come up with 5%. 5% so you yep. can see the older you get, the more aggressive you can get. So this makes me think: What happens if you're retiring when you're in yeah, your 30s? Right. And, you know, it's definitely one of those things that it's not designed for. Uh, you know, a four percent might cause you some issues. Right. So we pivoted, and, and here's the thing we have found, and we did a lot of show prep mm-hmm. on this. Bo, I think it's okay if we share this. I wanted to go in the weeds. You, you pulled me out of the ditch and said, do not go in the weeds.
1: No, no, no. I, weeds does not accurately <laughs> describe what we had in our pre-show prep. It it was like a deep Amazon jungle that the money guy got into. But it was a fantastic exercise because what we were able to do is we were able to pull out of those weeds some very useful, tangible information that we're going to be able to share.
0: Yeah, so because what, what I was, and, and this is where maybe I am a little nerdier, <laughs> is <laughs> that... I wanted us to actually base it off of what is the research show on what a perpetual rate of return that you could expect so you never touch corpus sure. or the investment? And then what is a safe withdrawal rate, which is the purpose of this whole segment <laughs> of the show?
1: So you just used two big words there. Uh, what's one thing living off the interest and never biting into essentially your nest yeah. egg? Versus the other, okay, well, I don't want to die and leave behind my whole nest egg. What happens if I pull money off and I actually pull some of the principal? Could
0: off? I have a successful retirement right, and not run out of, out of money? Without running out of money, yep. So what did we find? We can we took the research and we said, well, let's create a tool that will be useful.
1: This is a, a, a tool that we came up with. So what we determined is we want to look at by each age, and we did this by decades, sort of, what kind of withdrawal rate should you be thinking about pulling off of your portfolio? So the very first one, and these are... I don't even know what... Uh, is this called fast fire? Like, what are the folks in their 30s? What Are, are they like... They're like super speedy fire or like... Way I think you would call it people
0: who don't like their job. People who don't like their job, right. Because so, if, you're, if you're tired of it at 30, you don't like your job. So keep going. So this
1: is what we determined. If you're someone in your 30s and you're thinking about entering into a retirement lifestyle where you're going to live off your portfolio, we think realistically you need to think about a withdrawal rate of about 3%. So, that is, so that's So going go panic some people because yeah. let's,
0: let's, let's go ahead and talk about it. That means if you have a million dollars that you've accumulated by the time you're in your 30s, you can only count that it's going to generate about $30,000 right. a year.
1: And, and by the way, it's kind of a hard thing to do to accumulate a million dollars by your 30s, right? Yep. You just haven't had a lot of working years to let your army of dollars work for you. But we already mentioned that as we age, it gets a little bit better. So in your 40s, if you think about retiring, we think that you can actually increase your withdrawal rate to about 3.5%. And yep. the anecdotal studies have kind of shown that. But Before you
0: move on to the next, I will tell you, I think anybody, if you're, if you're on the conservative side and you're thinking about fire, is, instead of the 4% golden rule that everybody talks about, I think 3.5% is kind of the ding, ding, ding winner for me, for the fire people. And we do this for clients. When they come to us, they tell us they're leaving the workforce in their late 40s, early 50s. This is the number I want them to kind of get in their
1: head to really feel like they're in safe zone to get them through retirement. That's right. Now, if you're retiring in your 50s, 50s is still considered early retirement. But we think it has to be broken up by the decade, uh, be broken, break the decade in half. If you're retiring from age 50 to 54, we think that that golden standard, that 4% withdrawal rate, is probably still something that you should consider. Now, that probably is going to have you eating into your principal value. It's not going to be like a living off the interest for your entire retirement, but that's okay for some of the reasons we mentioned, pensions, Social Security, and that sort of thing. When you get to age 55 to 59, we do think that you can tick up your withdrawal rate to 4.5%. And then what we found is if you're someone who retires in your 60s or later, a 5% withdrawal rate is most likely going to be the safe withdrawal rate to keep you in between the lanes.
0: I thought it was because there's going to be people out there watching. I know we we fish out of the same waters. They're going to say, well, wait a minute. I know Dave Ramsey says 8% is a reasonable withdrawal rate. So I want to tell you, in this deep dive that Bo pulled me out of the ditch and said, don't you dare <laughs> go. that. We'll spend 30 minutes going through this data. Over one chart, you, one illustration. Over for one chart, you will spend your time explaining all the research that you've come up with. We found from looking at all the historic performance – you could, if you're 70 years of age, you could push your withdrawal rate up to eight percent and you know, because you could consume it. It doesn't mean that you won't touch corpus or principal, it just means that you would not die without, you know, That's right. being running out of money in retirement. So now, 70, I don't know that I would count on that.
1: But okay, so all of everything we just shared is kind of academia, it's sort of theory. What we know is because we've been doing this for decades now, helping people navigate and work through retirement, is that in practice, It actually looks a little bit different because there are some sweeteners and some adjustments that naturally tend to take place when you work through retirement.
0: So let's talk about some of these things that I think will impact withdrawal rates, Mm -hmm. safe withdrawal rates, because these things do not happen. Exactly what Bo said in a vacuum, human nature definitely comes into play. Huge. Because when we're going – and we're even going to do it in a minute. We're going to show you, assuming – that you are a robot in retirement and you pull no matter what. Yep. and Because I think it's important to, to, to give that reference and data points. But the truth of the matter is, and think about why do recessions exist in the first place? Mm-hmm. What happens is, is that markets go through and the economy goes through cycles. And when we hit downturns, part of what exap- exasperates and makes things worse is we all, as herd animals, act the same That's way. Right. So when the market goes down... Or the economy slows down, I should say, because they're all interrelated. Is people go, "Oh my God, Mabel, <laughs> we're not buying a washing machine this year." Mabel, no, no way you're getting that car. I mean, it's just it, it's just that people. Because remember, old man on the porch. Right, I'm right, just right. Thinking He's what, married, what, to Mabel. You know, central. You know, what everybody living in the center part of the country, they're thinking. I'm not I'm not you, spending anymore. You gotta
1: tighten down the hatches. You gotta really tighten the belt. Consumer spending just drops. It happens naturally. So that's naturally gonna help you with your withdrawal. Now, one thing that we always do, and this is we said this before, before you get into retirement, you need to measure two, three, four times. Yep. One of the things we do when we work with clients and help them decide, can they retire? Are they moving there? Is we assume they are robots. We try to design it where you don't have to make those decisions if we go through a downturn. We're trying to break it. Exactly. We don't want you to have to eat. Cat food, hamburger patties, in retirement. I like to say potatoes. We don't actually tell clients to eat cat food, but we do tell them this is to keep you from eating, from eating potatoes. potatoes. So that you that's can see better. how our client meetings go a little bit different. <laughs> you got but clients in, thinking they're going to be eating in reality. Feline food. We do make that adjustment as we move through time.
0: And, and so, so that's one thing is the behavioral side. Mm-hmm. The other sweetener that we like to talk about is is that look, I know these things won't happen immediately, but Social Security and pensions. Yep likely there is some type of future cash flow that will mitigate what you have to pull from your portfolio at some point. So that can go into, so that also takes a little pressure off of this safe withdrawal rate when you're analyzing it. And then, Bo, you talked about it because you mentioned it kind of in the intro for this section. The hybrid approach. What is actually the hybrid approach and how do we apply that? Yeah, just
1: like you can kind of tighten your belt when things get nervous and uncertain, you can kind of do the opposite when it's uh, flush years. When the market's doing really well, it's okay if you do want to maybe pull a little more off your portfolio or take that trip or buy that thing or upgrade the house or whatever it may be. When the portfolio substantiates, pulling out a little bit more, that's okay so long as you're willing when the market does kind of get hurt and we do hit a downturn, you're willing to tighten up. It's okay to have a fluid withdrawal rate so long as you understand what your portfolio truly can sustain. So put numbers to that, so in a year like
0: like 2019 so far, knock on wood, is shaping up it's to be a, a great good year. year. Yep. I think most people are making well over 10%. Yep. It's probably okay to be planning for – The big vacation in 2020, because you've you've over you've had a good year of returns being better than anticipated. However, look back historically, you hit a period of like 2008 and nine, Mm -hmm. not the year to be going thinking about going to Australia (laughs) and taking everybody on a Disney cruise. It's just not. It doesn't work. So, but here's the thing: I tell you this, and we laugh about it. Human nature dictates a lot of this stuff naturally. Mm-hmm. So typically when we go through these paths, patches of bad stuff, people aren't, they're, they're no. not doing it. It's just a natural human nature It's thing.
1: amazing that car that you had to replace, all of a sudden market gets a little shaky. That car can get you another 10,000 miles. It can get you another year out
0: there. And then one last thing to kind of close this section out is that realize you, the reason we always do all plans conservative we try to break them is that you can always adjust up, So the mm-hmm. meaning yep. that you go through your first five to six years of retirement and you find out that your assets are building and accumulating or you're not pulling down as fast as you thought, you can always adjust that's this right. up. So these things realize that it can be adjusted up. So don't think that you can, you're, you're locking yourself in. I'd rather you be conservative than too ambitious and overestimate what you think your portfolio can do.
1: I, 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 that's a beautiful, beautiful point, Brian. You would much rather in retirement adjust up then have to adjust down. And if you plan well, you can put yourself in that situation.
0: So let's move on to the next thing that I okay. think the FIRE movement and spoils anybody who's considering making the transition from being saver to consumer slash spender is the number one factor that can destroy your FIRE goal.
1: Yeah, that number one factor we think is sequence of return risk. And if you go look out there in the blogosphere or the podcastosphere uh, <laughs> and you look that. at all the folks who are, ta- this is the thing that they really want to camp on and they really want to go d- deep and down and dirty on, right? Am I, am I Wait, reading well, that correctly? The way
0: I'd put it is that when I w- started researching the FIRE movement and seeing what people are concerned about what do they consider what are they waking up and they're going oh my goodness, is there something hiding under the bed? Is there something, is the boogeyman over there in that closet? They're talking about sequence of return risk. This is really, there's so many blog posts that are talking about sequence of return risk that I want to know, is this really the boogeyman or is this something
1: that if you just, it's something you just have to plan for and you can overcome? So again, whenever we throw out a vocabulary word, let's talk about what the actual definition is. So when we ask, what is sequence of return risk? It's the danger that the timing of a draw from a retirement account will have a negative impact on the overall rate of return available to the investor, meaning you start pulling out money at a really bad time, and it impacts your long-term sustainability in a negative way.
0: It's the exact opposite of dollar-cost averaging right. Because what you're worried about is, is that you retire, the market gets beaten up, your portfolio gets beaten up, and now you're starting to take some of that very important principle of your investment, that will you know it's a loss. Your army of dollar bills is being spent mm-hmm. instead of being left to save and grow that's for right. you in the future. So that's the biggest risk. So we kind of we did some research, I should say, with the help of Daniel, of course. Of
1: course, intern Daniel hooked this and, up. And um, we
0: we this this is this was great. Uh, this was one of those things, and this is what I like about this because I'm so excited to show this. Is it is going to answer the age old question of is this going to be something that destroys mm-hmm. your fire plan? That's right. And the answer is, it all depends on how well you plan. That's so exactly let's right. go ahead and jump into the data and see what we did. And what did Daniel go and find for us, yeah, Bo? So
1: if, if you rem- remember, we've done a show a number, a number of... Months, years, it kind of runs all together. We did like Bob, the worst investor ever. We looked at what happens if you invested at the worst time possible. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, well, what if Bob got down this investing career? And then what if he retired at kind of the worst time possible? How does that look? And so we wanted to look at an illustration going from uh, 1999 all the way through present day and said, what happens if someone retired at the beginning? before the dot-com bubble. Well, the reason
0: in. we chose this time, though, is because Daniel, and, and when we were doing the show notes and, and prep as a team, he found over the last 60-year period, mm-hmm. this is the worst time you could have retired That's from exactly a right. sequence of return risk. And the reason is, is because think about it, dot-com bubble of 2000, yep. and then you, you're recovering, you're like, whew, glad we made it through that. 2003 was a good year, 2004, you know, you poke around, and then all of a sudden bam 2008 happens and it pops you again and you're like oh my Holy goodness cow. you know so this is what you have to prepare That's yourself right. so over the last 60 year plus period this was the worst period you could have retired if you're thinking about it from sequence of returns
1: and so we looked at as a 60 40 portfolio and for the 60 we just used the S&P 500 and the 40 we just looked at the 10 year treasury and we said what happens if we start with a retirement value of 2 million million? Yep. and what happens if we want to live off of $100,000 a year. 5% withdrawal 5%, rate. 5% withdrawal rate. How does this play out in the real world if that's what our portfolio looks like?
0: Wow. A picture says a thousand words so, or maybe even a million words. So I know we have a lot of podcast mm-hmm. listeners. So I want to go ahead and, and I'll let Bo go into even greater detail. Sure. But the first thing that people are going to notice, because we have a line that's going down over time, that's you pulling money out of the portfolio. And by the way, this kind of idea did not come from Just let's put this line going down. We know when we do our quarterly reports for clients, we actually show this for retirees. We show them what their principal amount that they invested with us, what the market value is. And I'm always amazed. I've even come into your office and I said, I can't believe this person's been pulling off his portfolio so long. Look, they don't really have any money invested anymore. But because their army of dollar bills kept growing... They still have a that's portfolio exactly that's right. worth this much. So this is how this idea came to us, because you'll notice is there's a slope line where the withdrawals are occurring, taking away principal from the yep. portfolio, but yet you have the market value. But here's what's very troubling about this chart that Daniel created, is that right in those first four to five years that this portfolio was set up in retirement – you're, you can see the market value is actually less it than the, the initial yeah. investment. So you are
1: consuming, when you're pulling money out, you're consuming your initial investment. So I'm going to say that even differently. Not only is the portfolio losing value, you are pulling money out. So it is a double dip, a double whammy, a double ouch. That's the worst case scenario. You think about when I retire, I start pulling money out, and the market has a hiccup, that's not what you want.
0: So fast forward though, because this is this is I like it. It's kind of like a Disney movie. It yep. has a happy ending.
1: So what what? Okay, so before we go to the next illustration, what I think is really interesting here is this person, even though that happened, because they stayed the course, they didn't go to cash, they didn't freak out, they didn't pull all their money out. By the recovery of two thousand three, maybe 2004-ish, even though they were pulling money out their portfolio went positive. And then it actually made money from 2003 and 2004 all the way until the Great Recession. The Great Recession happened, but they still stayed in the black. Even though they were pulling money out, they had more portfolio value than they actually had money uh, corpus invested. So when they actually worked through, what is this, an 18-, uh, 20-year period that we're looking at, they started their retirement with $2 million. They got to the end 20 years later, Uh, And their terminal value of the portfolio was $1.6 million. So this is
0: why I say it is a happy ending, is the fact that they invested $2 million. They even consumed some of that because just they got unlucky on when they retired. But yet the happy ending is that even though they have a full retirement of enjoying 5% withdrawal rates, which is pretty aggressive, they still ended up in the future at 1.6 dollars million. I'd say that this is starting to look a lot like success. That's exactly. Right. Even though and here's what here's what you can also glean from this doing this exercise. If they cuz 2008 was substantially better from a market return standpoint than even 2000, 2001, 2002 mm-hmm. was. But if you look at this because they had from 2003 all the way to 2008 to have a recovery, 5 yep. years That's about the insulation you need so that your portfolio gets a running start to hit retirement. That's exactly right. Now, we structured this on purpose to break it and pull corpus out from the beginning. But I'm telling you, if you can just, even if you hit a bad time, you're going to be okay if you measure twice, cut once, and got that with that safe withdrawal rate right on the front end. So don't let sequence of return risk. Think you you know put you in a box
1: where you think that just go blow up your
0: retirement? That's right.
1: So this was the this was the worst case, right? We said, well, what if, you know, not everyone is gonna get that, let's just call it unlucky, because you can't control what the markets are gonna do. What what happens if we just change our time frame yep. just a little bit? What's it like if we shift it? And so we said, okay, what if instead of retiring right before the dot-com bubble bursted, what happens if you made the decision to retire? after the recovery kind of came back, Yeah. right? So we said exact same illustration, but now you retired- shifted
0: it by three years By or so. three
1: years, January 1st of 20- 2003, exact same portfolio, exact same behavior. Nothing else changed except for the date of retirement. Well, now you start with $2 million and 20 years later, as you move through your retirement, your value on January 1st of 2019, is three point six million dollars. Well,
0: and you see, the big part of this is is because there's not a single time where the fair market value dipped below the initial investment. That's exactly the, right. Meaning your army of dollar bills was working very strong, really well. It was healthy. You had enough of a head start to let they get a, you know, to let the money grow bigger than you're pulling out. But it is one of those things where this is, guys. When you retire, remember what I said when I gave the legal disclaimer at the beginning. I want anybody who's actually thinking about turning in the resignation letter and pivoting in their career to consider, you know. Doing a Monte Carlo simulation, because what we just did was what these software is actually doing when they're running thousands upon thousands of illustrations, is we showed you the top 5%, -hmm. we showed you the bottom 5%, and the reality of your retirement is probably going to be somewhere in between that. But that's why if you can just do that measure twice, cut once, and plan ahead to make sure you have a reasonable, safe withdrawal rate. You don't have to be fearful of sequence of return That's exactly risk. Exactly right. It yes. is something that totally can be planned for, accounted for, and driven through. So just make sure you do the hard work to, to make it a success. Well said. So let's move on to the next segment. Is how to structure. Your, your accounts for retirement, especially for somebody who's in the fire movement, so you're not leaving a stone unturned on this.
1: No, I think it's so interesting, Brian. We talked about out there in the blogosphere and the podcastosphere and the YouTubeosphere, people all <laughs> how many the time... Words are you gonna make. I'm going to have like three more before <laughs> the end. How many times we see people talk about sequence overturn or withdrawal rates? and but how often is this missed? Yeah how often? Nobody No talks one about talks this. about this. Yeah. This is some money guy special sauce, I think.
0: Yeah, we and and I think Bo came up with this as you can tell. He's 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 in the mood to make up Webster, try to get us (laughs) in Webster, but he's got sequence of distribution risk, and really what he's talking about here is tax or account location. That's exactly right. Um, So, because this is important, because we all know, and and let me give you the, the the big three. You've got your after-tax accounts, which is, this is your normal taxable brokerage mm-hmm. account that you could set up for yourself or jointly. And then usually you have, and this is going to be your bigger one, is like your tax deferred. This yep. is all your retirement accounts. That And what's cool about a tax deferred is that you get a tax deduction when you put the money in, but when you pull it out, unfortunately, it's going to pay ordinary income right. tax rates. And then our favorite one is the tax-free bucket. So you hear these, those three things. So when we talk about Asset allocation is how you spread your money between large cap, international, cash, bonds. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever talks about tax diversification of your account types. So we actually created some money guys rules of success for each one of these. So, Bo, let's kind of jump into them. Why don't you talk to them about after tax and taxable brokerage accounts.
1: Yeah. So the uh, the unique thing about each one of these accounts you already mentioned is they're kind of taxed at different. Uh, you have access to the accounts at different points in time. They're taxed at different points. So what you hold inside of them should be different because yeah. of that. So when you look at your taxable investment accounts, they're often taxed at favorable capital gains rates. If yeah. you have long-term holdings and you want to sell a holding, you pay a capital gain rate instead of ordinary income. You can also have qualified dividends that pay out at a more favorable rate. So the type of assets that you want to hold inside of your taxable account would not be like ordinary income-producing assets. It might not be thing like bonds that are going to spit out dividend payments to you that don't get qualified treatment. The other thing that's beautiful about after-tax assets is that you actually can access those dollars before 59 and a half. You know, yep. with most IRAs and 401ks, you have to wait until you get to age 59 and a half, or else you're going to have to pay a 10% penalty. With your after tax assets, a lot of times, especially for fire folks, that's the bridge money to get you to that magical 59 and a half age where you can start getting to some of your other assets and resources.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is totally, this is your liquid, easiest access money you can get. Mm-hmm. Now, I will, I want to give one cautionary tell, because we all, want to take advantage of the capital gains. We want to take advantage of the dividends because we love that lower tax Mm -hmm. rate. But Here's the word of caution. If you're quickly approaching retirement and you want to be at that stage where you are living off of these resources, be careful of making sure you don't have just one total portfolio of appreciated holdings. That's that's a great charitable planning opportunity. But As you get closer to retirement, I'm talking about three to seven years from retirement, Make sure you have something. That's where you probably would want to bring on those things that aren't as tax efficient, yep. like bonds or keeping a little extra cash Absolutely. in there because you're going to need some money that you can actually pull it out without creating more taxes.
1: If you want to manage your after-tax account well, one of the things you can do is uh, you can tax manage it through time. Here's a really great example that's practical and kind of recent in memory. In the fourth quarter of last year, the market really got hit hard. I think the yep. S&P was down like 20%. We made the decision as a firm for our clients, we weren't going to go in and change the investment allocations and try to batten down the hatches because we think it makes sense to get risk right on the front end. One thing we were able to do, though, for our clients who have taxable assets is we're able to go and do loss harvesting in the fourth quarter, not changing yeah. the composition of their portfolio, but going and capitalizing on those losses, harvesting those, using that to offset some of those embedded yep. gains that have been long-term so that over the life of that client's retirement or accumulation stage, we can tax manage that so when they get to retirement, they don't just have a bunch of holdings that have huge embedded gains yep. and are going to be costly to get to.
0: And it's the same thing, the charitable giving, just hitting on that again, yep. is if you do it right, if you're a person that's tithing or giving a decent sum every year, there's ways if you have appreciated holdings that we can over time push up the tax basis right. by using a giving strategy so that by the time you actually hit retirement, you have easier access to your after-tax money without Uncle getting a big portion exactly of it. Right. So let's move on to the biggest pot that most people have because when you know you read like books like Everyday Millionaires, uh-huh. Chris Hogan talks about your biggest account that most people have that makes them a millionaire is there for work 401k. Exactly so it's, right. they're talking about these pre-tax, tax-deferred accounts. And the reason these accounts get so big is it's not only good behavior from you, the individual, because a lot of times your employer will say, you give us 6 or 8%. We'll give you 50 cents on the dollar, even 100% dollar for dollar match. A.K.A. free money. Free money. You guys are, you're not fools. There's a reason you're watching this show. So you're automatically creating that behavior of saving every month, whether the market's going up, whether the market's going down, you're buying. And then voila, it's like magic. It's like you know Jack and his magic beans. You look later and go, holy cow, how did this thing get so big? It really
1: is. This is why these pre-tax, tax-deferred accounts get so huge. It's great behavior. So just like we talked about how you don't want to own assets that generate ordinary income inside of your taxable account, The exact opposite is true inside of your tax-deferred account. If you do have a bond allocation or a fixed-income allocation or holdings that generate a lot of ordinary income, a great place to hold those is inside of your 401k or inside of your IRA so that you're not having to pay tax on that income that's generated every year as you're building up your assets.
0: Now, if you've done this the traditional way, which is tax-deferred, meaning you took a tax deduction when you made the contribution, but when you pull it out, you know you go pay ordinary income tax rate. That's going to create some big taxes, exactly especially right. when you reach 70 and a half. Because the government makes you yep. at 70 and a half take those required minimum distributions. However, Bo, you said, you know, because our newer generation, I guess this has been around probably going on a decade yeah. now, maybe a little over a decade. A lot of employer plans, like I was even working on something for a family member. They have a Roth oh,
1: yeah, 401k huge, account
0: huge. option. Walk them through, because I know we've done shows on, but it's worth just giving a
1: throwout. How we deal with that. Yeah, so we absolutely love, Rothats, love Roth assets, love building Roth assets inside of like a 401k retirement plan. However, Roth is not always the best decision. And we yeah. think there's a really easy rule of thumb that you can deploy or employ to determine if you should be doing Roth contributions or pre-tax. It really depends on where your tax rate falls. If you look at your federal tax rate and your state tax rate, then you add those two up and it's above 30% then odds are you ought to be doing pre-tax because that is a very, very attractive tax benefit in the current year.
0: Because the thought is when you retire, you might, there's a good potential you'll be in a lower exactly tax bracket. Right. So it's it's a, it's a measurement
1: of those two You'd choices. You'd rather save tax now at this rate and pay tax later at this rate. Reby, I'm using my hands. I see it. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but if you're someone who you add up your federal rate and you add up your state rate and they are less than 25%, well, now you can make the argument, especially if you're someone who's younger, that building up those Roth assets can be huge. If you're yep. early in your career, there's a chance that you might have higher income in retirement than building up those. Roth assets is something you definitely want to consider and look at. If you're between that 25 to 30, that's where it gets a little bit more nuanced. And maybe you might do a splitting strategy and you have to take into account uh, timing of retirement, age, risk tolerance, account structure. Tax code accounts. in the state that you live in exactly because right. a lot of
0: states will give retirement exclusions too. Yep. So, and, and I want to do one last planning thing before we move on to tax-free. My favorite one is that guys, especially fire movement, you guys are leaving the workforce well before 70 and a half. And that's what you need to know, two key dates when you're looking at retirement accounts. You need to know 59 and a half because that's the age that the government lets you get access to IRAs, 401ks. Well, 401ks might be 55 with separation of service, but 59 and a half is a key date. Know when that date is. And then the other one to know is 70 and a half. That's Mm -hmm. when the government's going to require you to start taking minimum distributions. They want you to pay taxes on all those benefits you got all those years. Well, you guys in the fire movement... You might have 20 to 30 years before the government mandates you to take those distributions, and there might be a way to manipulate how much taxes you pay depending upon how much after-tax money, how much tax-free money you have. So if you're in that opportunity, all that period before 70 and a half, you might be able to do Roth conversions to maximize those lower tax rates. So make sure you're considering that and you're taking into account. Now, look, I know that that just added a lot of variables So that's one of those reasons why we say it is when you get to these higher stages that you probably want to consider talking to a financial advisor or somebody to help you navigate some of these more complex decisions. But this stuff matters,
1: and it can make a huge difference over the life of your portfolio.
0: Probably more than sequence of return risk. And that's what it creates. They call that the boogeyman. But this is really getting into the weeds is what really causes trouble for people. Let's talk about quickly tax-free Roth assets. Now, here's the thing I love tax free Roth assets. The only catch though is that the government no matter how you structure these things, they do not give you a deduction when you make the contribution right. whether it's a your Roth 401k, no deduction currently. Roth IRA no deduction currently because they're giving you the promise that you put this money in, it will be completely tax free when it pulls mm-hmm. out. Well, we know from our research Compounding growth, especially for young people, is huge. So that's a winning that's proposition exactly right. that the government's setting up for you. But this benefit is so good that they put income limitations. It's also so good that, truthfully, you probably never, ever, ever actually want to touch these assets. Now you're probably like, "Well, wait a minute. Whoa, you just why talked would I do it that. if I'm
1: not going to touch it?"
0: This is why the benefit is so good. Is that these counts now, Bo? You tell them because you you talk about. Sometimes people are, you know. Get in pickles and get in medical expenses. Let's tell them, I'll let you be the bad guy and tell them when they can use them.
1: All else equal, you'd want to leave your Roth assets in there as long as possible so they can compound. However... All things aren't always equal. Yeah. Sometimes you may have a, a large living expense need in retirement and you may be pulling out of your IRAs, you maybe pulling out of your taxable account, but you might not you might need more money and it might not make sense for you to go generate taxes. That might be a great time for you to pull out of your Roth assets because they are tax free. Or maybe you're not quite at that 59 and a half age, and you have retired early and you have a bridge you need to get to. One of the really unique things about Ross is that they can serve. Not should serve, I want that, that's an important distinction, but they can serve as an emergency piggy bank because you can always get to the money you put into your Roth tax free and penalty free if you've been making contributions, if you've been growing that pot of money. You should not do that because you were taking your soldiers out of the war way too early, but it's there as an emergency if you need it.
0: So let me tell you, because Bo's right, you can out, get access to the principal after you understand five year rules and mm-hmm. all those things yep. that go into it, but Here's why you never, ever, even in retirement, probably never, ever, ever want to touch your Roth assets is because these things are estate planning gold. If you know that when you die, you're probably not dying broke. I mean, I, I think I'm at that point of accumulation that now I'm, you know, you're building up your nest egg but because you, you, you want to get that withdrawal, that safe withdrawal rate right. But you know you're leaving something behind to the kids because you just built up. You're too good at building the army of dollar bills. Remember how I told you with the tax-deferred accounts, they require at 70 and a half you to take a portion Mm -hmm. and start paying taxes. They're going to mandate you you to take it. it. Roth IRAs. So even if you have a Roth 401k, when you retire, you can roll that into a Roth IRA. There is no, I repeat that, there is no required minimum distribution. Remember what we said compounding growth is what makes these powerful. We talk about all the time that a 20-year-old who puts money away, a dollar when they're 20 years of age, could grow to become $88 by the time they're 65 years of age. Well, think about this. If you're a person, even if you're a 50-year-old who retires at 50, but you have money in a Roth, there's a chance you're not leaving this planet until you're 95 to 100. You could have the same benefit that a 20-year-old has on every dollar that's in these Roth accounts because there's no required benefit. And then catch this. You die with a Roth account that never had a required minimum distribution. Even though you were you got old, you know, 80, 90 years old, this money's still growing tax-free, you still have the potential for your kids to be named on there, and they only have to take distributions over their life that's expectancy. Right. You have now stretched this benefit for your kids, your grandkids.
1: And it's not taxable to them when they take it's the distributions. huge,
0: huge, 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 huge. This is why it's a it's an account that you can look at, but truthfully, you don't break the glass on it and That's use it exactly unless right. you really have to. So let's move to the last thing. And this is the section I can already, see, you know, when, when Morpheus and Rebe are naming this, this is going to be the segment, the highlight clip that gets the most comments. Right. Is the downside of the fire movement? Yep. I can already hear them. They're coming out. You, you, you can practically They're, hear the stampede you, of them you, you running can towards hear the, the door.
1: The, uh, the, the keys chirping on the comment so section. So let's go through these.
0: The first one, and I, I just because this is part of the measure twice, cut once. It's not that I'm against you leaving the workforce or making this change early. It's just that I want to make sure you turned over every mm-hmm. stone so you don't make a mistake and have regret. Yep. The first one is, so think about this. Oh, gosh. I, mean, I this mean, this is the visual. I already
1: know where this, al- this analogy yeah, is I going. Because I talked about
0: it in Pre- pre-show. Is that you go to, because we all go to parties. Okay. And you, you, you're like, should I get there early? Should I get there right at time? Do I get there early? Do I get there a little late? Let the fire get... When, why do why is it called fashionably late? Why do you show up at parties? Because you know the beginning of all parties it's going to be lame. Somebody <laughs> is going to be lame because you're going to get there. You're going to help the host set up some stuff, and then you know, and it really is. Even with an adults, it kind of becomes like seventh grade and eighth grade dances because the guys are going to be on one side of the room, the girls are going to be on the other side. It's a lame party, <laughs> and that's kind of how you're. If you're looking at the analogy of life and your workforce. That's kind of how things happen. It's how the
1: early years are. So the
0: music starts. The DJ starts playing music that everybody likes. The girls come from the left. The guys come from the right. And they get together and start dancing together. The party starts heating up. You Fire people. I just want you to measure twice, cut once. Because you're kind of the people like, well, they're dancing together now. Time, time, time to get to out go of home. here. Because <laughs> what I'm saying about it, here's the point of this. Your peak earning years are 45 to 64. Mm-hmm. I pulled that from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. and And, and the thing is, is that, I just want you to think about the fact that that is a huge stat. You're making your biggest money 45 to 64, but there's a lot of you who are saying, "I'm out of here." Yep. You know, and that's right as the party's heating up, you're walking away. So you need to make sure you're okay with that yep. and you've thought about that.
1: And don't miss hear us and think that we're saying that making the most amount of money is the thing you ought to do. It's just it's water that once it gets down the hill, you might not be able to get it back up the hill. So make sure that you understand the repercussion of making that decision to exit early well and that 's what i 'm going to do these a little
0: out of order because I think you just made a great transition point. I had a father i 've told you guys this impacted my whole way I think about the money the way I think about money, the way I think about success is I had a father who was laid off in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. rocked our world, and what I remember Dad being so stressed about was he got laid off, so this was an involuntary layoff because they were moving in a completely different direction. They got out of the business that he was a manager right. in. And he was in his mid-40s. And I remember him lamenting, who wants a 40-year-old who is making this much money? So that's why it is one of those things, there is n- maybe there's no turning back when you make this decision. Not exactly. only in your peak earning years, but there's a chance that once you go through this transition gateway, you won't be able to get back to where you are. That's because right. even like IT people, there's a lot of people um, in IT or so forth. A year and a half, two years, the technology has changed, ch- has changed on yeah. you. So, so, so think about those things. And that leads to, and, and this, this is a great segue. I didn't plan for this. We should have done this in pro, pre-prep. No, no, I had it all but, up here. This was all on purpose. But so here's I- the other thing. I will tell you guys, I am now old enough. I'm in my, getting to be in my mid to late 40s, and I've been in the industry. I'm in my third decade of mm-hmm. doing this. And look, we talk about 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours to become, get mastery to become an expert for some professions that require – you know, education, experience, you might not be able to actually start making your footprint stand out or your, your fingerprints all over the industry as a whole until you're 20 years into right. it, 25 years in. I, f- I finally feel like my voice is making an impact in the financial mm-hmm. world. So I don't know that I have, and this is, this is just a philosophical thing I want people to think about. If, you, if this matters to you, if you're working in some type of field where you have impact on, as an expert in the profession... Is it okay that you're walking away that's from right. that? I mean, that's just something I think people ought to consider.
1: Again, you got to think about what's the, you know, you have to define what's the purpose you're here on this earth, and you might have something that's worth sharing, Something worth being You might be a high-impact
0: expert, and yes, you might be now going to go teach at school or be a, a tutor or something, but if you were actually shaping the direction of this field— is it better? It's just something to measure and That's think right. about. Um, and then we talked about, and I'll let you lead into this one because you got into trouble <laughs> well, last time we well, did this fire is, content. This is
1: maybe uh, the most controversial downside to fire. Um, and, you know, here's the big question that we have to ask is if you're a participant fire and you exit the workforce early, are there negative health impacts associated yeah. with that? Uh, that maybe would have been a better way for us to have framed the question, maybe, than the way that we did. I said, hey, if you retire early, you're going to die. You die. That's not really what we're trying to say. (laughs) However, you know, anecdotally, we both have personal stories. We've worked with clients. We have loved ones and family members. You have to make sure that you measure, again, measure twice, two, three, four times to understand what it is that you're retiring to, not just what it is you're retiring away from. Because if you retire to nothing, Yeah. There might be some unintended consequences, whether it be cognitively or motivationally or whatever. You need to understand what those impacts are and how that's going to affect the enjoyment that you're able to experience throughout your retirement life.
0: The stat that I think people get upset about makes their their hair stand up on their neck is that there's a study out there that if you take your social security early, men mm-hmm. especially, there's a twenty percent more increase in mortality right but here's what I think these stats don't tell you you don't know. Did these people take Social Security early because they knew they were already sick. They knew something was wrong. Were they already, you know, Was there lifestyle things that were already impacting? Because I think that stat can be very misleading. But it does lead to, you said it perfectly, Bo, is that everybody needs to kind of, what wakes you up in the morning and gives you purpose. We had Fritz on from the Retirement Manifesto, yep. and he was so generous to us that if you go out to moneyguy.com, we have a brand new resource section, and Fritz shared with us the Ten Commandments of Retirement. Mm-hmm you got to go download that if this is something you're considering because it talks about one of them is know what you're retiring to and even get into hobbies and other things before Before you retire so you're not just waking up thinking. A a good retirement plan is not the first two months I plan on watching all Judge Judy all the time. Not going to be a fulfilling retirement. you got to know what you're working towards. And, Bo, that's probably a great segue is kind of
1: talking about what we're doing and now we have some uh, some pretty big announcements yeah we we have created something new and something exciting and something that is live for you guys now do you want to do a uh, we sh- you did, it in, it. I I you did it. it in pre-show. I going to do it. You did it in pre-show. Drum so. roll, please. Uh, we create uh, charts and illustrations and graphs and checklists and spreadsheets and all these different things, resources that we think can help you add abundance to your financial life. And they are all now available on our website. You can go out to moneyguide.com. You can click on our resource page. You can see all of the resources that we currently have made available, and we're going to be adding to them. As we come up with new ideas, as we have new illustrations we think that are valuable for you guys, we are going to put them out there. So go out to moneyguide.com, click on our resource page. There's going to be a great way for you to get your hand on the free content that's going to help you impact your financial life for the better.
0: Yeah, we've already mentioned 10 commandments of retirement from Fritz and retirement manifesto is going to be on there. A lot of the stuff when I talk about the dollar turning to 88, mm-hmm. you know, the power of compounding, that stuff's yep. out there. There's so many things that you gotta go to moneyguy.com and get this resource. This also helps us. We logistically sending out the email updates. This is so much better if you just get it on your own time when you want it That's instead right. of creating some process and burying it in your email inbox somewhere. Now you just all 24-7, seven days a week. I mean, we we're like Waffle House. The resources are there. So keep it going. <laughs> so, and that like leads Waffle to, House. well, you you said it. Use the word abundance. Mm-hmm. And we have this whole thing internally. We talk about the abundance cycle where you come here. We completely give it away. I had a troll. This this guy crawled out of a bridge, was beating up on us. And I was like, guess what? Checks in the mail. I'm sending you the refund check for what you paid. <laughs> and, you know, and I can say that very comfortably because... We give away tons of free advice. This is your resource. You come, and it's part of the abundance cycle. We give it away for free on purpose because we want you to come, learn, apply, uh, grow. And then at some point, you're going to reach such a level of success, you go, I can't do this on my right. on my own anymore. And that's when you'll say, I need to have somebody that can help me do this measure twice, cut once. You're going to think about the Money Guy Show and the financial planners from Abound Wealth. That's right. And that's, that does complete the abundance cycle. And we could not do this without you guys. And we feel so appreciative. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we started this in 2006. It continues to bear fruit. It started as an online classroom, but has turned out to be a great way for us to meet people all across the country. So thank you, thank you. I'm Brian Preston. My co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, Money Guy team, out. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with
1: Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast.